Have you ever thought about volunteering here at Cambridge 105 Radio? I'm Lucy Malazzo, and five years ago, I did just that. I wanted to learn about radio and kind of thought I could help out behind the scenes. Since then, I've read the news, have woken up to a very early alarm for Cambridge breakfast and recorded promos like this one. Right now, Cambridge 105 Radio is looking for new volunteers to join the team. And if you fancy getting involved, visit cambridge105.co.uk slash volunteer. Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. Well, literally no football to talk about today, uh, but I could tell you all about the M6 motorway. Spent a lot of time on it yesterday trying to get to Fleetwood. Got there. Game off. Thanks very much, Fleetwood Town. And not even apology on their social media or their webpage. So although we don't have uh, football to talk about, got uh, uh, it's non-league day today. We've got most of the show given over to uh, City with Robbie and Steve Warne, with Histon from Lance Key and Mark Lesniak. And uh, to the women's football with Darren Marjoram, would have had Cambridge City ladies, but still haven't been able to make uh, regular contact with uh, their uh, manager. And you can get in touch with us all the usual ways. You can text us 07919070490 or you can email studio at cambridge105.co.uk. That's 07919070490 for anything that you want to say. And we'll start as we usually do with Cambridge United. Well, we're not going to spend uh, too long talking about uh, Cambridge United, but I do have, when I can uh, get to it on here, uh, I can do have uh, Matt on the line. Matt, are you there? Hey, Tim, how you doing? <laughs> well, no, no, all, all the worst, I think, for uh, driving 450 miles to go and see a game that never happened. Um, I, 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 I don't know what to say. I mean, you know, yes, it's the weather. Fine, we get it. It's not It's not anybody's fault that it's snowy and icy. But I think handling it the way they did, having a pitch inspection at 10.30 where apparently they were still confident it was on and then having another pitch inspection at 12 o'clock where all of a sudden it was off. I mean, what did they expect in a short space of time? And I think it's dreadful that you even contemplate a pitch inspection at 12 o'clock when you know away fans would have to leave at well the coach left at 6.45 but uh, those who aren't getting the coach are still leaving around the 8 o'clock 9 o'clock 9.30 if they're really brave they're leaving it till 10 o'clock but in any way they wouldn't find out until they were on the way I was checking regularly but you know when you're not hearing anything not hearing anything not hearing anything you kind of think it's going to be okay and then because you're almost there um, and you kind of forget to look again and only find out when you park your car yeah, it's it's just not uh, good enough at all. And, um, you know, Mark spoke about it in his press conference on Thursday as well, that, you know, he'd been, they'd been trying to contact Fleetwood, you know, trying to find out what the situation would be because obviously the, the club had gone up overnight and they've stayed Friday night as well, the team. So really and truly, it, it's just it's just really, really poor from, 
Fleetwood in general. Um, I know they were quite receptive to to a lot of the the fans that you know were turned up at the ground and then found out oh, it was called off and everything. And you know they showed them good hospitality and all that. But for all the others that were on the way, and as you say, wherever the coach was at the time, who then got to turn round and you know go back down the M6 like you say to to have a twelve o'clock pitch inspection when at half past ten you know it seemed like almost everything was was ready to go it's just it's just unacceptable and you can't tell me that they haven't got a local referee or a, a local you know football representative that could have gone down to the, the stadium at seven eight o'clock this morning and had a look and inspected that pitch you know and you know we've with, with the type of weather, um, you know, I don't know what Fleetwood's facilities are like in terms of, you know, their pitch and what type of stuff that they have to use for it. But, you know, it, it showed the other week, you know, in freezing temperatures, we managed to, to get a game on that, you know, probably wouldn't have been expected to go ahead in the other ground. And then we've had a cancellation ourselves when we were basically told everything was probably going to be all right. So it's a really poor show from Fleetwood, uh, a really poor show from, from their officials and all that. And, um, you know, there's something has to be done about it to, to go all that far and have a 12 o'clock pitch inspection. is just completely unacceptable. And I think, you know, somebody somewhere has got a file a complaint and go, this needs to be better because, you know, they, they don't take fans into account at all, do they? And the, the amount of expense that they've had to pay just to even get up there. Yeah, and, and I think the sad thing is we all know that they're not going to do anything about it. The, uh, I think it's down to the EFL to, 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 to create some rules around what needs to be done. And I think... You know, I think if you can work out how long it's going to take fans to get there, allowing for some delays and the fact that they want to be there half an hour early, it should be it should be enforced that if there's going to be a pitch inspection, it should be before that target time so that people can, if they want to take the risk, then fine. They're, but if they don't, then at least give them a chance to make a decision based on all the facts. And that that's the other thing. They're like airlines sometimes, football clubs, that... Airlines would do themselves a great deal of favours if they told people what was going on for a delayed flight, why it was delayed, what the real likelihood of it happening is and what the real likelihood of it, you know, the timing and everything like that. Fleetwood Town should have done the same. They should have issued a statement on the Friday night saying the pitch is partially frozen, we are expecting better weather, but ultimately, you know, we won't know until X o'clock and that X o'clock should have been nice and early so people could choose to make that decision about do I leave and get a few miles down the road. They certainly shouldn't be in a position where they get, you know, 350, 400 miles, oh, sorry, halfway, 200 miles down the road uh, to find out they're just turning round and, and going back home and, you know, but we we both know that that's not going to happen. It's 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 down to clubs to do it. Um, there's no official guidance, and therefore, you know, fans will always suffer in this way. The issue is, you know, the, the fans that are the ones that, you know, the football clubs want them to come in, and uh, you know, they're the ones that have to suffer when these types of you know poor decisions are made from from people who, who should know better and you know should do a lot lot better for for their fans and uh, you know fair, fair play to to Cambridge you know I think you're all going to get a free 
pie and a drink um, at the game anyway. And I think they've, they've turned around and said that they're, they're going to turn that into £10 compensation to the fans that, you, you know, were going up on the coach or travelled up and everything. I know it's, you know, it's not a lot and doesn't cover, you know, barely any of, of what you all would have paid out. But, you know, it's good from the football club that they're, they're going to offer that out. So, you know, Cambridge have tried to do a little bit of something. But as you say, the, the, the anger and the target is always going to be Fleetwood and, and quite rightly the EFL because there should be some sort of guidance as you say you know the EFL as, as a governing body should have things set up and, and like I say even if it's if Fleet would call up a local referee from the local FA to go down and check the pitch you know it doesn't matter what level of referee you are you know you just uh, you, you just need to be able to go in there and look at the pitch and go right that that's not unplayable that's it call it off and you know as simple as that and a lot of other teams did it around in that area as well I know they did have better weather uh, up north for, for now I think it's deteriorated a bit but yeah you know it, it's just completely unacceptable and uh, as I say I hopefully we'll put a little bit of a complaint in well, we, we know we won't get anywhere, Tim, as you know. Uh, it, that's not the way the world works. And now uh, it's a rearranged game. And that'll be a nice Tuesday night trip for you if you decide to go back again. Yeah, it'll be Tuesday night in the middle of February. The chances of it being cancelled are probably 90%. So you're not really going to want to go. But yeah, no doubt I'll end up going. I, I'm not a ticket holder, so I don't even get the uh, the £10, uh, exp- the £10 uh, travel expenses, even though I don't get my expenses for travelling up there. But there you go. Uh, Matt, we'll join you uh, after. The uh, uh, the Boxing Day game. Uh, we'll be talking about our shows next week, but we've got one Tuesday after Christmas. Thanks very much for helping out this year. We'll talk to you later. Take care. See you soon. Cheers. That's Matt. Uh, yeah, um, it needs to be done better. It needs to be done better for fans who are shelling out a lot of hard earned money uh, to get to games and to apparently receiving uh, no consideration at all uh, in the way of uh, what's going to happen. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll start talking non league football. First of all, we'll go with uh, Cambridge City. Broadcasting from the city centre. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. So I made the decision and it turned out to be very wise on the fairly good chance that we were going to lose this weekend's football to talk to both Robbie and to Lance midweek to kind of do a bit of a season's catch up so that at least we'd have some content for today's show. So this is what happened when well, this is what's what was said when I spoke to Robbie on Thursday. On to uh, the season so far, uh, 14th in the league at the moment and and obviously still plenty of games to go. The interesting thing is you've kind of hovered around 12th, 13th, 14th uh, for, for a while, you know, for a while. You, you did drop down as far as 18th fairly early on in the season, but uh, a, a season that, uh, yeah, again, uh, injuries have, uh, you know, made life very difficult for you. Yeah, they have. And, you know, it's one of those for us as a football club, it's extremely difficult times in the in the sense that, you know, you're training elsewhere, you, you just everything to do with what you're trying to do at non-league level. When you're away from your home, it's massive. And oh, people say, oh, you, all you do is moan about it. But, <laughs> you know, our treatment, our, you know, everything associated with a football club and being in the one place, 
you know, and you look at our ladies section and, and as a club as a whole, it's it's something that hopefully in the not too distant future, you know, we'll have that ground and everything will be in one place. And I think, you know, we talk about injuries and, you know, stuff like that. It, it has been a tough, tough year. And, you know, we lost two or three influential players before the start of pre-season. Seb Simpson, Jared Robson and Ryan Swift. You know, three, three very big players for us, you know, Jared and Ryan both scored well into sort of 12, 13 goals for us last season from from the 10 and from wide. So, you know, losing those on the eve of pre-season wasn't ideal. It left us a little bit short, but, you know, with the group that we'd put together, we brought in Joe Welsh, Ed Rolfe, Ben Nolan, and those three have added lots and lots to the squad. But losing key players at key times, you know, Scott Bridges for one, uh, Mikey Davis... You know, they're players that have missed an awful lot of football and two very influential players in our team, you know. So it was a difficult start, you know, and we didn't have Joe Welsh for the first seven games either. So we had Louis Chadwick come in from Cambridge United. So that was a another disruption that we, you know, could have done without. But, you know, we, we're slowly but surely, you know, we've brought the two lads in, one from Yaxley, one from Stamford. We're slowly starting to get a group of players together now that, you know, we, we're, we've brought Jared back. You know, we, we're adding more goals to the team. And that's something that we've struggled with, certainly last season and this season, you know, the the amount of goals we've scored. So, so looking forward rather than back, it's more of a, you know, we're, we're, we can't wait to get one or two back fit. We can't wait to get going again when this cold snap of weather disappears and we can start playing again. And we've got a run of fixtures that are coming up where, you know, we want to be playing regularly. We want to be training. We want our best players available because, you know, the games where we're going into it, knowing that we need to win those games and there's an added pressure on that. You know, we've got St. Neitz, Deerham, you know, one or two others that are hovering around us. So it's a really important time where if we can get the players back. Hopefully we can we can start climbing into that top, top 12, top 10, heading into the new year, Tim. And as you say, you've you've recruited a number of players uh, just recently. You've let some go out to uh, on dual registration to make room, and that's definitely seen uh, an improvement in performances, or rather, an improvement in consistency rather than the performances. Some of the performances were already there, but but it's kind of just become more consistent you're scoring more regularly and scoring quite a lot of goals the last game you played was the um, uh, invitation cup fc parsons drove which was uh, a win although although interesting very nearly a loss they they, they came back very strongly at you they did and because it seems that that seems an absolute eternity ago that game yeah it was um you know, we gave lots of players opportunities that evening we we caleb in goal he's 17 year old youth team goalkeeper Ed Tassel, 16-year-old centre-half. Guy Motley, centre-half, straight right back, 17. And then we, you know, players like Ben Bradley, Ali Conway, Nathan hasn't played an awful lot of football. So it was important that, you know, we gave those guys a, an opportunity. Alfie Lee came in from the from the youth team as well, played on, on the other wing. So a great start to the game, 3-0 up. And anyone watching the game would have probably said, this should be 10. You know, this is this is going to be 10, maybe. And then the second half, we just, on a very difficult pitch, we conceded a, a goal that those that are watching, if they remember the Tim Flowers bobble over the shoulder from Stan <laughs> Collymore shot, yeah. that was the identical first goal that they scored. So it was 
it was one of those where you oh okay and it just <laughs> it was almost in slow motion and 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 then the second one a guy um tom warms his brother actually scott who plays for parsons drovers has hit one from 30 yards and it has gone in the stanchion i don't think any keeper in the world would have saved it so from out of nowhere we're 3-2 and having controlled every part of the game possible and dominated every part of it we then make become a little bit nervy and and they can smell blood and then with two minutes to go they score a third and and it was actually a very good goal you know across from the right the centre forward swept it in on the volley across the keeper and keeper had no chance with that and it was three all going into into injury time and thankfully up popped Tom Wormsley in the 93rd minute to save our blushes and and to save us you know penalty shootout which you know could have potentially 50-50 could go either way so we were disappointed with the second half performance but you know it, it, lots of players got game time that you know it was a step up for a lot of them you know four of the youth team is stepping up Nathan haven't not played for you know started a game for so long so it was important that we put into perspective you know how close it got but but the fact that we we were able to give opportunities to to four youth teamers that still got another year of youth team football and also a lad that hasn't played for an awful lot of football so mm-hmm. we we're glad we're through you know we want to we want to win every competition that we play in and the Cairns invitation we've we've not got past the semi-final stage in the last three or four years so it's important that you know we've got Wisbeach at home in the next round and and hopefully we can uh, we can get over that hurdle and, and book ourselves a, a game in the final at, at the Abbey Stadium at the end of the season. So it's a great opportunity, though, Tim, to to give a lot of youngsters a go in this competition. We've got a very, very good youth set up at the moment. Uh, Matt Mee's leading it. We've got some outstanding lads. They're second in the league in their league at the moment. So, you know, and that's come from a team where we had no players last season in that youth team. And to be the whipping boys of last year to now be second with that same group. It's uh, It's been really a pleasure to watch at times and and we're pleased that they're with us because a lot of them are training with us and, and there's some really good good players in that youth setup. So it was a good night for those that were involved and, and on to the next game. Yeah, the next the next game, as I say, given that we're hearing this one isn't going to be uh, the Gresley Rovers game. It's going to be St. Neots uh, on Boxing Day. It, it, I mean, it's great. That you've got to effectively, uh, you know, although you're away, you've got virtually no travel to get there. It's an earlier game. Uh, it's a good way for people to spend Boxing Day if, uh, you know, if they want to walk off the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, Christmas lunch or even go and have a beer down at the club, whichever way they do it. But uh, it's going to be a, a, a nice little fixture to finish the year on. Yeah, it will. And, you know, I, I know Pete very well from... You know, he, he's up at Cambridge United every day, so I get on really well with him. And I know the the job he's doing there. It's a it's been a tough job for him, but I know that you know the the group of players that he's brought in, you know, they are doing doing well. I know the results haven't picked up as late, but they've got some some really good players in that group. And you know, for us, it's it's a local derby. Like you say, it's not far for us to travel, and and we want to you know on a nice pitch, we want to go there and. And perform as well as we can and, and get the, the three points because by the time we get to that point it will probably be three weeks over three weeks since we last played a game of football so really important that the next week or so that we've got whether it's training or whether we can fit in a training game or two 
you know, before Christmas, you know, hopefully we can get a game in next week if the weather allows. Um, so, so yeah, it, hopefully we can finish the year on a, on a positive, a nice three points to take into the Deerham game on the 2nd of Jan. Absolutely. And I'm asking every manager uh, as part of the interview, uh, if you could get one Christmas present for the uh, team or the club, what would it be? What would it be? It would be, I think, I'd say the new ground. I was going to say <laughs> January the 1st. But, but it was, it, you know, something that we talk about a lot. But I just think, yeah, the new ground being open, the club as a whole moving forward, um, you know, that's the the biggest thing for me is bringing everybody together as one club under the same roof, a fantastic facility that, you know, I'm sure people from from the county of Cambridgeshire will, will enjoy visiting. I'm sure they will. Uh, hopefully we've got uh, Steve on the line. How are you doing, Steve? How are you doing, Steve? Hi, Tim. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. There's a little bit of an echo, but I think we can work with that. Um, 14th in the league, probably not where you'd want to be, but... Uh, for the future, I think the strength of the team now is something that's going to carry you through the second half of the season. Yeah, I think we've got a um, a bolstered squad now. I think you know some of the, the signings that he's brought in, you know, particularly bringing Jared back and um, you know making one or two changes. I think we are a strong side. It's, it's just the kind of you know the squad. Um, you know, when you lose more than sort of two or three players on a on a match day. It's that, sort of, and that's no disrespect to the, to the, to the fringe players because they're very good. But you know, any team who takes out their best eleven, I think, um, you know, that's that's the bit. But I think now we have got a good squad, and certainly, you know, on paper, it's improved from probably the beginning of the year. And yeah, as you say, it's shown in in some of the results recently. Um, I think yeah, it just puts us. I mean, traditionally, most years we, we've done this show, and we always seem to have a good sort of turning point around this time. You know, after Christmas, we it's, it's traditionally where we've put some good runs together actually over the last probably two or three years um so that feels like we might be heading to that again which would be good um but yeah no it's it's, it's more much more positive than it was you know sort of september time that's for sure and obviously as was mentioned the, the present he wants is a new ground and uh, it's coming you, i bet you can't wait to get in there can't wait to get in there Oh, absolutely i mean the more the pictures come out i mean it looks it looks like a proper football ground now with the stand the main stand with its roof, um, you know, I think it's just literally missing the, the seats and then obviously the internal bit, but everything else now um, looks looks fantastic. I've not actually been down to the site, so, you know, I know, I know some fans have now been because it's it's officially open. You can sort of walk, I think, guided with people, but you, you can you can go in on a, well, an organised trip, which some fans did. And um, it looks fantastic, it really does. I mean, um, for that level, certainly, it, it should and will be the best facility uh, in the area for a long time, for a long, um, for a lot, many miles, and you know, for the for the league as well. I think I, I think there's you know, it's one of the best grounds certainly in that at this level. Um, it should attract, you know, players should want to come and play there. You know, it's um, it's a great facility, but if we get the people in it as well, you know, we we've had, you know, crowds of up, sort of around the two hundred mark throughout a whole of ten years of ground sharing. So that's that's the core, basically the core fan base, and if we can get them plus. You know the same again, perhaps from the local area. It goes back to being the four or five hundred crowds that that I used to watch when I first came along, and that was that was a sustainable, you know, good level, good entertainment, good good atmosphere type feel to it. You know that sort of thing, and it it really should, um, you know, bolster it. But uh, as Robbie said, I think you know it's the whole banner as well, having everyone in in the club there. Um, you know, currently we've got teams playing at Huntingdon and Ely, and you know all over the county, and it's just you know you don't see them, and it, it'd be lovely to have everyone. 
you know, in the same shirt playing there. And, and you know, that facility will be, there'll be something going on there every single night of the week. You know, the, the higher pitch, um, so the community will be training and using it, will be training and using it, the, the youth teams, the girls teams. And it will be, it should create a buzz. And I think that's hugely exciting considering where we've been for the last 10 years. And, you know, when I first joined, we had a home in town. It was, that was what was, that that was great. That that feel, that Milton Road ground was 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 us, you know, and, and that's what we need to replicate there. And, um, yeah, massive, massively exciting. I, th- I feel like it's it's very, very close now. So, you know, I think with all being well, it will be next season. So, you know, that um, we're not far having done, come so so long on this. Um, it's, it's almost, you know, just wanted to happen now, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess ten ten years plus without a home, just having that place you can call home, and and having everybody together, like you say, all the teams playing in the same location, just to give you that focus. Hopefully, to build up the crowds and everything else, really is going to make a huge difference. Ideally, later next later this season, but if it's next season, then you know we've waited so long, it doesn't really seem to make a lot of difference if we wait until next season. Yeah, and I think, I think the local community, just from all, you know, the sort of interest side of it, it you know, they, they're keen for us to come. You know, um, that's, the, that's the chat that, that we're hearing is that if you live in South Cam, certainly they're, they're wanting to, 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 to us to be there, you know, to have a local team that, that they can support. So that, that is really fantastic. And then how we integrate everyone is going to be, you know, it's going to be great. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's just a huge, huge thing for the club. I look at teams like Slough, who, who did something similar a few years ago. They had, they had 10 years of of ground sharing and you know they're now conference south i think and you know they got their own ground again and it it, re, it rebirthed them a little bit and you know i think there's a comparison there they were sort of similar sort of size club to us and a similar sort of decent non-league history in the old days so i feel like there's there's a couple of you know examples of that where you know you get a ground and suddenly you know you you really should be on the up and that that's that's got to be how it feels and how it's gonna you know we've got to have that um ambition i think um and the product on the pitch you know if we get that right now um, so this, this is half the season, no matter if we're, we're mid-table or otherwise, you know, it's, it's still very, very important because if we go into it uh, with some momentum and some, you know, some some uh, fine-tuning and we know what sort of side we can have and how we can operate, then, um, you know, that sets us up next year. It's very important we get a, a good setup um, on the pitch. But, yeah, look at, off it, it's it's so much more rosy than it was, you know, years ago. We've, we've had such a hard time and, like you say, if it's next year, it's next year. But it, as long as it happens, that, that's um, that's what we're all waiting for, really. Absolutely. Well, uh, Steve, thanks very much for joining us. Hopefully the St. Nia game will be on on Boxing Day and uh, uh, good luck for the uh, next year. Thanks very much. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. Cheers. OK, so that's Steve. Uh, Steve Warren, thanks very much for him for joining us. Um, I also got a chance to speak to, to Lance uh, about the season to date. So let's listen to what he said and then hopefully Mark will uh, join in eighth position fairly nicely some people below you uh, some of them have got games in hand but they can't catch you even if they were to win them and the people above you are only uh, two three or four or five points away from you so nicely placed as you come up to uh, the the end of the year yeah and actually I had a conversation with one of our directors today in a sense that obviously the Wellingborough game being called off last weekend the possibility that Newport will be off this weekend because of the weather those two teams are vying for the, for the title this year so it then on paper reads that we get a reasonable run for about six seven eight games in terms of what we can play Boxing Day and the new year so you know all of a sudden we can then hopefully then apply ourselves and cement ourselves in that top eight and possibly push into the top six with not having to play the likes of Wellingborough and Newport Bagnall uh, before Christmas 
And you've talked about the way in which the fixtures, the fixture list separated out and how you've played a lot of the big clubs and therefore the second half of the season on paper at least is is a little bit easy. But, but obviously you can never tell. You can never tell how things are going to go. You've had good results against good teams. You've had poor results against poor teams. So it's kind of always a bit of an unknown. Oh yeah, I mean, there's no given. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not disrespecting any team in this league because anybody on any day can beat somebody. I mean, it proved that when Rothwell, I think, beat was a conscious thing about three or four weeks into the season, and you know they're they're lying second in the league right now. So it just shows you that you know you you, you can't take anything for granted. But on paper, we would like to think that we would have a better chance of winning more of those games in the new year than we than we have done so far. So if we can get a run of games together in January, stroke February, then hopefully we can we can try and push that top six. I guess if you look at the results that you've had to date, it's kind of been slow and steady is perhaps a bit bit harsh, but you've never managed to put together, you know, a, a, a large run of games. I think you've had two, two, two unbeaten uh, in a row a few times, uh, three unbeaten uh, once uh, in the run. But other than that, it's been kind of regular win and then a, a, a draw or loss, then another win and then a couple of losses and then another couple of wins. It's consistent, but I guess against the bigger teams where uh, you know they punctuated the losses apart from of course the March Town game which I think March were top of the league when you beat them weren't they? Yeah, they were, yeah. And obviously, we were then, I think, if I remember, we were about fifth bottom at the time. So it just shows you, going back to what I just said, anyone can beat anybody. And obviously, it's a localish derby for us against them on that particular day. And we rose to the occasion with one of our best performances. And going back to what you were talking about in terms of like results and being competent in a way of actually getting results, you know, week in, week out, we haven't been able to do that. And we've been kind of stop startish. Although when we have played well, we, we played really well. You know, we just need to be able to find out a form or a, a reason of consistency to be able to to establish ourselves in that top six come the new year because if we can do that and find some consistency then I'm sure we can push the top six. And I guess the, the big issue has been around injuries and, and, and the, the strength of the squad early in the season. You've been at times fielding teams where there aren't really any substitutes to play. Yeah, we have. We've, we've used quite a few of the youngsters. We've just brought a young lad in called Ryan Henry from the under-18s at Royston, who's an attacking midfield player who's impressed us a lot. And because of, you know he wants first-team football at a level which he thinks he can play now, we, we can't guarantee him that. But we've said that you know he is a standout performer for the Royston under-18s and he's been able to come to us. So we'll see how he gets on. But then obviously with the kind of games being cancelled, the likes of Luke Crisp, Luke Lindsay, Dan Brown, you know, all of a sudden we come the new year, we may have a much stronger squad than what we had probably at the start of the season. So again, that will well for us to, to rest these players right now and to hopefully then you know if we can bring one or two extra players in in that time then even better but because we're always looking and if we can make that, that squad stronger that would only stand as a good step but yeah we, we've been stop startish and like I say with injuries and you know, a smallish squad as you well know I've always worked on a small squad but this year it's kind of bitten us in the bum a little bit because we've been struggling for players but then having said that the youngsters have stepped up the mark when needed but also then sometimes we've been left not ha- not performing as well as we should do so you know, I'd, I'd like to see the back of this year and hopefully the next year can be a bit more promising. And it's been a feature, actually, of Histon sides over years uh, that you've you've placed a lot of reliance on the youth team, and 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 generally it's worked very well for you. You've got a, a stronger youth development uh, setup, and, and you're bringing through players who are making an impression in the first team. 
Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, young Dexter Todd came off the bench for us last, what, two weeks ago now, when we were 1-0 down at half-time. And, and if I'm honest, I think he changed the game. He gave us a bit of impetus. He gave us some direction. He gave us directness, you know, and, and, and youthfulness, energy. You know, and that's, you know, you can't buy that at, at times. And, you know, he, he's been in the side. Marley Fisher's been in the side. Roman Barton, Roman Lock Canning, you know, Ben Hurry and scored on his debut. You know, and that's just a few off the top of my head that I can remember right now where we we, we bled them in. And we've said this time and time again, like Ben Hurry had, had a, a debut to remember and uh, Coventry United scores in his debut the week later he's not as good and we've spoken about this and I think this is what every young player has to understand is unless you're a Wayne Rooney uh, then that's different even at our level you know you, you, they can't actually sort of play at that level week in week out but certainly these youngsters are, are the bedrock of our of our future and hopefully that will be the case. And as you say, the, 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 the kind of the lulling games it gives you that chance to recover some of the injuries in the squad. Most definitely. He went, Harry Meeks has had a broken toe. I think the last time he played was Rugby Town away. He trained with us last week for the first time. Dan Brown will train, hopefully, come next week. So perhaps the Ainsley game might be a bit too early for Boxing Day, but certainly come the new year, he'll be available. Luke Chris Hamstring will be, again, hopefully available for the new year. And then obviously... Luke Lindsay hasn't missed any games whilst he's been out with his hamstring tear. So, you know, I mean, he's probably four weeks away still, but, you know, whilst the games are being cancelled, we're not we're not missing anything. So, so yeah, I mean, come hopefully mid-January, we'll, we could be close to a full, a full squad. And uh, with the increase in uh, in cost of living and everything, it, it's good to see that the uh, crowds are still holding up and people are still wanting to come down. Has, has this whole cost of living, I know there's been uh, arrangements to start games earlier to avoid floodlights going on, but has has that had a real financial impact on the club? Yeah, I mean, the club, it's, it's been it's a conscious effect, obviously, because, you know, if we can save ourselves four to five minutes of electricity because of the lights, because they're not cheap, then that's one way of saving, you know, clubs money. And I don't understand why other clubs don't do that. I mean, I think a lot of the players are quite happy to start at two o'clock. It means they get back home early on a Saturday afternoon or stroke evening. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a big impact on everybody. So, you know, and for the fans to keep coming through the turnstiles and, you know, regularly getting close on 150, if not more, is great to see because, you know, we are a small club that once was a big club. But if we can keep them happy and by winning games this season, we, we seem to be able to, to be doing that. And it looks like we're start, slowly starting to turn the corner. And you've obviously been through some some rough patches over the last uh, you know the last couple of seasons. It, it, it's almost a stupid question, really, but your job gets easier as the results start to come in and the positions there, and presumably your enjoyment of the game and the whole process is enhanced as well. Yeah, I mean it's, it's, it's a chicken and egg type thing, isn't it? You know, if if you're winning games, people don't got any back. If you're losing games, people do type thing, and it's you know it's one of those where people air their views because they pay their money and they have every right, every right to do that. But sometimes you ask the question: if you put yourself in our shoes when you're trying to recruit players, when you're in a different league, you're travelling further north. It's not as easy as people may think. And you know we work you know damn hard to to try and get a team to perform on every Saturday or Tuesday, whichever day it may be. And we do this for the love of the football club as well. You know, the, the financial rewards aren't great. It's something that we, you know, it's a passion that we all have. And, you know, we're as passionate as every fan that comes through through the gates to come and see us play. So we're striving to get it right. Hopefully we, we, we've put more smiles on faces this year because obviously last year was a tough year in that Northern League. And again, like you say, winning games uh, breeds commoners, but also makes people happy and goes home happy. I mean, I'm trying to think of the game. I think it was the, the Roth game. We win 5-2. We didn't play great. And yet people are purring. And yet, because we scored five goals, everyone's happy. So if that's all it takes, then great. And I was going to ask everybody on this as a, as, a, as a throwing question. If you could get one thing for Christmas for the team and the club, what would that be? Uh, 
I, I suppose an out and out goal scorer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's a long there's a long a long queue for out and out goal scorers at this time of the season. Yeah. But uh, hopefully you'll find one. Yeah, there is a there is a long queue for uh, goal scorers. Cambridge United are first in that queue, I think, at the moment. But uh, hopefully, Mark's on the line. Mark, are you there? Mark, Sorry. hey, can you hear me? There's one thing. For... Oh no, I'm not hearing him. I'm not hearing him. I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll uh, I will give him a call on his mobile. I'll try to do it on the internet, but uh, that's not worked. So let me give him a call on his mobile uh, I'm hoping he's not changed his number since the last time I ever <laughs> I ever called him up but uh, hopefully he will answer this one um, and we can have a chat with him there but uh, if not hey Mark are you there? Hi there Tim Hi <laughs> how are you doing? I'm um, not too bad sorry I think I had a bit of technical uh, failure uh, so that's okay that's okay so uh, Lance wants uh, a, 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 an out and out striker to score goals and I said it's a, there's a long queue Cambridge United being first in the queue for that out and out <laughs> striker who can score goals at the moment but uh, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's been an interesting season really I mean you, you obviously had the disappointment of uh, last season and the difficulties uh, that, that that's brought about you've changed leagues um, you're mid-table at the moment uh, with eight wins and seven losses and just the one draw and that seems to be kind of one of the issues is that games where you've struggled and you've you've you but you played well and put in a performance you've not got anything out of it um because uh, you couldn't take you couldn't take those draws you couldn't take those chances but still you're eighth in the league yeah i mean i, I think it perfectly sums up where we're at at the moment which is and it's already been mentioned it's just inconsistency but i think that's a case of just trying to discover ourselves in a in a new league that has completely unknown to us um and so yeah we've we've witnessed some some really good uh promising performances um but we have also struggled against sides which um without sort of um, any disrespect probably you'd think we have the we'd have the skill advantage to to be uh, lotworth being one of them um well, I think that's third bottom, and we managed to pull out a four-four draw at home. So, um, yeah, uh, it's it's been a it's kind of a, a tale of two halves really this season so far. But I think really, all things considered, we'll we'll take where we are. Um, again, it's it's all about consolidation. Um, at the moment, we had such a a tough season of it <coughs> uh, last uh, last season, um, and then we dropped down into the unknown, and we've lost uh, a few players along the way, and then of course we've had some more experienced heads um, deciding to kind of call it a day and, and hang up the boots with uh, with Ev um, Ballister and and to be honest we haven't really even seen much of Lee Smith who who you know on um, if he was fit and on a good day he'd be um, perfect for this kind of league because he's such an experienced head so um, we've had to deal with um, you know a few losses along the way and as well um, as that we've had injuries long term injury to, to Dan Brown who of course is you know, is, is going to guarantee goals um, in this kind of league. Uh, and Luke Lindsay as well, who's really come on leaps and bounds um, from last season. Uh, and it's a shame that we've we've lost him as well. So, um, so yeah, it's um, it's been a bit tricky, but I think all things considered, we're actually doing we're doing okay so far. And I think, as Lance said, I mean the advantage of uh, the advantage of not playing. By the time you get to the uh, Ainsbury Rovers game on uh, Boxing Day, assuming that's on, then it will be three weeks since you last played. But that gap 
is giving you the opportunity to then bring players back. Luke Lindsay, who, who kind of people expected to miss a lot of games, as Lance pointed out, hasn't missed a game yet, really. So, you know, OK, he's still going to because he's still a long way off being fit. But it's not been as disastrous as it could have been if there was a full programme and everything was on at this time of year. So that this gap may actually prove to be a really good part of the season for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, of course it's, it's disappointing to to lose games to to the weather, but I think you know that's, that's out of our hands, obviously, and it has been for the majority of the teams up and down this country. But but of course it does uh, allow a bit of respite for players and allows those who are struggling with knocks or injuries just to um, kind of recover and hopefully yeah come back um, a bit quicker in, in terms of the games that we've got coming up. Um, but that being said, as well. Um, uh, I think it's got to be highlighted that the the youth that have come uh, come up and sort of uh, I guess I don't want to disrespect, disrespect them and say filled a gap because they've not they've actually you know they've done really well a, a big shout out to those that have stepped up because um, yes we do have a um, a slightly thin squad but um, by all means those that have stepped up to the plate have done incredibly well uh, and actually have shown that really. Um, you know, it's not even just a case of plugging a gap, but they're doing they're doing well, really well, and they deserve to actually stay in the side. So, um, so I think actually, um, hopefully, going forward, that will kind of cause Lance a few headaches as well uh, with with uh, selection problems when when everyone is back uh, fighting fit. And overall, you you confident then that the second half of the season, which is uh, and Lance has pointed this out a number of times, has got a relatively easy run in a, a lot of the teams you've already a lot of the top teams you've already played twice. Um, so t- technically, it may be a little bit easier to pick up points and uh, put you in a better position. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's um, you know you can always argue on paper. Yeah, we we do have the majority of the teams left to play are uh, kind of in and around or below us. So. Um, should technically give us an advantage, but as I think Lance alluded to, you know, on any given day, anyone can beat anyone, um, and so we can't, can't, um, can't really sort of rest our laurels, and we're going to have to uh, still play really well and, and fight out of our skins. But I, I think really, if we can at least maintain where we are for this season, then I think that's a good job, uh, all things considered, and, and hopefully. Um, depending on what happens in terms of league allocation and who stays uh, and who goes. Fingers crossed Lance can maybe put together a squad that is hopefully going to challenge maybe even sort of for the top two or three, four places. Um, But like I say, I think if if we remain sort of, I think it's eighth at the moment where we are, then actually I think that's that's a job well done. Absolutely. Well, uh, thanks very much, Mark, for joining us. Hopefully the Ansbury game will be on on Boxing Day and we'll have something to talk about when we come back on air. But uh, thanks very much for being there. Cheers. Absolutely. Cheers, Tim. So there we go. That's uh, Mark. We eventually get him on. Um, Let's take a a quick break and we'll come back and then we'll talk about the women's football. Oh, we will if I press the right thing. Hang on a second. Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. So again, uh, the uh, the United game was actually postponed earlier on in the week because Wimbledon, uh, who missed the previous FA Cup, uh, FA Cup game, I think it was, uh, that takes precedence. So that was going to be today. Don't know whether that's on. Um, Cambridge City were due to be playing Harlow, um, uh, which would have been a real key game for them. Uh, again, that's uh, cancelled. Uh, I did catch up with Darren. This is what he had to say uh, in the middle of the week. 
Darren, it's uh, that time of year where normally games get called off because of the weather, but because of the vagaries of the uh, fixture system for uh, women's football, you get a long break anyway, now not playing till uh, the 8th of January. Yeah, it's an extended break, which is uh, a bit unfortunate. Obviously, there has been games off with the weather, and that's kind of the reason why we don't have a fixture is because Wimbledon's FA Cup game last week was postponed quite late on, and and because that takes priority over league fixtures, our, our fixture that was scheduled for Wimbledon gets pushed back. So, yeah, a, a bit of a long extended break, but, um, uh, you know, I don't mind too much. The, the players have done great in this first part of the season and picked up a lot of info. And, yeah, there's a few now suffering with colds and flus and various bits, so it's it maybe has come at a good time. I suppose, yeah, it gives you a chance to regroup with the squad with any niggling injuries or anything else and just have have a bit of a break. Uh, I mean, because the men's football, have uh, certainly at a high level, have had that enforced on them because of the World Cup. So talking of the World Cup, I mean, first of all, England's defeat uh, to France, I, I think not a deserved loss, but uh, unfortunately, the, yet again, we go out because of the penalty. Yeah, but I think from a, from a coach or management perspective, you always think heavily about the performance because it's a, it's an it's an unfortunate thing about the the system, if you like, of knockout football. That if you have one one of those games where you perform really well, but something doesn't go for you, then you're out. But um, you know, realistically, you're looking for performances because that's that's what will generally take you through. And I thought the performance was really good, and it was un- unlucky really on the day. It came down to a penalty, and you know, just some moments of the game. But that's football, you know. And when you look at teams like, say, France, for example, that the experience that they have in their team, that's where they tend to get those moments right. Same really with Argentina. I think you know, looking at them now and how they've done, that they've been able to get those moments right. And I think if you look at the England squad, there's there's a lot of positives. A lot of players have come through. And Bellingham is a great example of how they've kind of proved themselves quite early on. And, you know, that gives us a lot to look forward to. Obviously disappointing not to not to go further because I think it looks like a, a, a talented squad. But that's unfortunately knockout football. But pleasing that at least we did ourselves uh, a lot of justice along the way. The interesting thing is, I don't know whether you've seen this, uh, someone sent it to me on YouTube after the fact. There's uh, some uh, some piece that was done for the media with Harry Kane uh, taking penalties and there's a, a rugby player comes in and teaches Harry Kane how, how to put it over the bar rather than under it. And you think, <laughs> you think you're going to regret that at some stage and sure enough, it didn't yeah. take very long for him to regret it. <laughs> Maybe not such a wise move. But <laughs> I think, that, you know, penalties is always one of those, and I, you, you know, there's lots of discussion around it, isn't there? But it's very difficult because you can't replicate those real pressure situations. It doesn't matter how much you try. And there's been lots of methods tried over the years, but you, you just can't replicate the pressure that's on someone's shoulders. So you mentioned Harry Kane stepping up for that one and people have made a bit about that it was a second penalty and did he then start to think it a bit more? Possibly. But, you know, knowing that you're 2-1, it's reasonably late in the game, you've got a penalty to, to get it to 2 all you've literally got every bit of weight on your shoulders and the longer that delay goes on, the harder it gets and opposing teams know that, of course, and try to hold it up as long as they can. So you can't imagine the pressure that would have been on his shoulders. It would have been a very difficult circumstance for him to sort of stay really cool and and completely block that out. And ultimately, you're talking about striking the ball a few millimetres wrong and that's that's kind of the, the result of that. So difficult situation, isn't it? And you've got to feel for him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, on to uh, to the uh, season so far then. It's interesting in as much as there's only one goes down uh, this year because of the the loss of... um, Uh, Wyndham, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Wyndham, yeah, that's right. Um, And Hounslow firmly occupying that bottom spot. They're still zero points after seven games with a very unfortunate minus 74 goal difference. And then next comes Cambridge City, who are only actually three points ahead and have actually played two more games. 
games. So I guess at the moment that looks like the relegation battle. You're placed quite nicely uh, right in the middle of the table on 11 points, two points behind uh, Seawood and uh, Actonians, uh, who are also three points behind Wimbledon and Norwich. And then Hashtag have had that uh, kind of uh, breakaway and uh, had a really good season so far. I guess at the start of the season, you were looking for challenging for those uh, top spots uh, and you're only uh, five points out of it. Yeah, I think if we're honest, that this season, when we started the season, it was very much about, you know, we had quite quite a large turnover of players and we knew that was going to be a challenge. We knew that it would take time for the players we brought in to settle and the squad was was quite thin to start with. And again, we, we accepted that it was going to be a case of strengthening that squad as we went along. So we, we kind of accepted that this season wasn't a case of that we was going to be maybe, you, you know, finding every game quite easy. We knew that we'd find, especially the early part of the season, maybe quite tough, but... I've really enjoyed watching the players grow and develop as a group and as individuals and the way they've risen to all the challenges along the way. And I think if you look at our performances, certainly in the last you know, month or six weeks, you can see vast improvements from where we're at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, if you look back to the beginning of the season, we, we knew that probably for us the aim was not to be in that scrap at the bottom end. We knew it was probably unlikely that we'd be involved in, in the scrap at the very top end, but the challenge is to kind of get yourself as high up that mid-group as you can. So that pleases me in terms of how we're playing. I'd like to be a bit higher placed, of course, who wouldn't? But I think there's a lot to be excited about in the second half of the season for us. And you talk about strengthening the team, and we mentioned this last week, that there's been some real good recruitment into the squad. Yeah, there has. We're really pleased with our recruitment. You know, we had a target list of people when we went into the season and, you know, we picked people up along the way, which we're really happy about. So, you know, if you look at, look at the likes of Abby Jackson, we managed to, to get him from Ipswich. So you've just got a fantastic pedigree. Played uh, WSL Academy against very, very good sides, the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal, etc. So very, very good grounding. And, and you can see that in her qualities of player. So she's been an excellent, excellent acquisition for us. Sarah Wiltshire obviously came in at the beginning of the season along with the likes of Cheska Partridge and they bedded in very quickly which has been pleasing and then to complement that we've now brought in Bella Simmons who's a very exciting player and in my years of uh, being involved in women's football locally is always someone that I think most people have looked at and thought very good player so we're pleased to bring in Bella and more recently we've we've managed to recruit Sydney Naylor who very exciting you know has had a little bit of time out but again good pedigree has played at Arsenal as a younger player and at Nottingham Forest more recently so we're really chuffed with with the recruitment that we've got and I think again as these players begin to sort of settle into how we want to play I think it could, as I said it could be very exciting but just as important as being been keeping the players that we want to keep. So you know, Lauren Webb in goal has been outstanding. Gisela Rotten, is, who's our captain, and through the team all the way through, I'm, I'm as pleased about keeping the players we've kept as I am about the recruitment. So, yep, good. And now the job is obviously for us to get all of those jigsaw pieces together and, and make sure we keep ticking as a team and winning games. Do you see it very much as a kind of a two, two halves with this long gap in the middle? That's kind of like you've done the first half of the season and now it's on to the second half of the season in January. Yeah, it is a bit like that. And it sort of works for us in kind of our, you know, our, our thinking, if you like, towards this, because we've, as you said, we've had recruitment in the first half of the season. And I think now, you know, we're, we're relatively happy with the squad we've got. There, there may be a couple of additions here and there, but we, we're quite happy with this. And I, I think now the job in hand is to is to work with this squad and get the best out of everybody. And I think, you know, if you look at the last game in the in the league plate against a very good Cheltenham side or mid-table in the division above, and, you know, bar a 90th minute, goal for them to kind of make the scoreline look more comfortable we had them under a lot of pressure it was 3-2 for 20-25 minutes at the end of the second half and you know they they were really dropping deep and trying to protect what they had so I, I think there's yeah there, there's a, a good break point for us now and 
it gives us a chance, I think, as a group to just consolidate where we're at, get to know each other a little bit better because there's some new people into the squad. And yeah, that, that allows us a, a nice sort of second half run into the season. And of course, off the pitch, it's been a very important season so far for the women's team with the establishment of a new board, new development centre and and lots of other things going on behind the scenes that have really strengthened not only the team itself, but the position of the team within the club. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And it's a really important factor. We, we can't underestimate how important it is to have the off-field matters in order to be able to, to fulfil our potential on the pitch. The new women's board is a brilliant idea and it's really strengthened our bond with the club and we get huge amounts of support from the club now. And I think if you look at you know some of the players that we've recruited in, part of that is very much down to the fact that we've got very strong ties and links with the club and, and because of that support that we have. So yeah, it, it can't be underestimated how important it is. The ETC now, in terms of the younger players coming through, it means that we can attract and keep better young players. So that just gives us a little bit of a look into what the future will look like over the next few years as well. And locally, you know, we're, we're one of very few clubs that have that. So I think the off-field matters are looking really healthy. It continues to be worked on. We have uh, women's board meetings monthly and everything that comes up in that, you know, you can pretty much guarantee will be addressed as soon as. And we're looking at directors of the main club involved on that board. And, you know, that means that any matters are taken right to the very top. So you can't ask for any more than that when you're dealing with a club like Cambridge United. So I think locally... It puts us in a very strong position. And the other great thing about it is obviously games at the Abbey, uh, a bit unfortunate that one of them was postponed, but uh, you've still got, I think, one more game to come at the Abbey, possibly two. Yeah, we've got two more definitely in. So there's a game in February against Cambridge City in the league. Uh, so that'll be at the Abbey. The last game of the season that's scheduled against Actonians is also at the Abbey. And then the club are looking at trying to, to find a fixture that they can put at the Abbey maybe in March. So we're looking at definitely two and potentially three more fixtures at the Abbey. And as you say, that, that just shows the commitment from the club, doesn't it? You know, because they want the women's team to be showcased at the Abbey, at the home of the club. And again, you can't ask for any more backing than that, really. And it allows for people who perhaps wouldn't normally come to a game to uh, come down to the Abbey. And we've seen some good attendances for the games that have been on there. Yeah, uh, you know, the Norwich game, first game of the season, although the result was disappointing. You know, we, we talked about several hundred people coming to, to watch the women's team. And certainly the feedback that we're getting is that more and more people are taking interest. What we need now is for more people to come along and see the games. And as I said, I think if you take the last four or six weeks, you can see a real distinct improvement in, in the quality of, of the football. And I spoke to two or three people on my way off of the pitch on uh, that last game against Cheltenham. And people were really impressed with what they saw. And so we, we want more people to come and see that and see the, the, the level of quality quality because I don't think people quite appreciate the level of quality of women's football in the area. The more people we can get to come and watch ultimately the more successful we can be and that's what we're aiming to do now is to be successful on the pitch, off the pitch and, and hopefully that will bring more people through the gates to come and have a look. And a final question then, if you could have if you could have one present for Christmas for the club, what, what, what would you like? Oh, for the club? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd just like success for the club in, in, in all areas really. I've been a Cambridge United fan all my life. It's a fantastic family feel club. You know, everybody's welcomed, everybody's made to feel part of that process and part of the club and you can't look any further than the way that they've conducted themselves with the women's team. You know, they've, they've brought it all in, in and uh, made more contact with everybody and made sure that things are running smoothly. So I'd just like some great great success on the pitch as, as much as anything. I think Bonds and, and the men's team and the women's team equally, you know, deserve that. I think there's a lot of good people involved. So, yeah, it's a big ask. But if we can have lots of success on the pitch, that would be really welcome. It certainly wouldn't. I'm sure many, many hundreds, if not thousands, would uh, agree with that sentiment. Um, we shall see uh, on Boxing Day, if the game is on, uh, how we fare against uh, Shrewsbury. That's all we've got time for today. Uh, just go through over Christmas. Obviously, next Sunday being Christmas Day, we're not going to be on. We are, however, on 
on the following Tuesday, Tuesday the 27th uh, of December, uh, at the usual time of one o'clock, hopefully covering the Shrewsbury game and Boxing Day football in general. Uh, and then we're back to uh, the usual uh, on New Year's Day, uh, Sunday the 1st of uh, January. I was going to say February then for some bizarre reason. January, um, again, uh, rec- covering the uh, the New Year's Eve games and, um, and anything else that's been on over that time. Hopefully there will be stuff to talk about, otherwise it makes for a very difficult uh, post-Christmas period for me, but uh, it's the way it goes. Um, We shall see. Uh, So thanks very much to everyone who's joined so far uh, this season and certainly for this year, to Matt for his regular appearances, uh, to Mark and uh, the club for all the help that they've given me, for uh, Lance and Robbie at Histon and City respectively, and to Steve and Mark uh, for uh, their occasional contributions um it's been uh, it's been good fun uh, I, happy christmas to uh, all the listeners and as i say we'll see you after christmas um but don't go there's still plenty on today and I, t- uh, i'm not sure i'm just i'm just getting to the schedule for this um uh, it's it's an interesting time at the moment because those who know tony barnfield uh, and listen to his show will know that uh, he's coming to the end of his time at uh, Cambridge 105 Radio. Um, I think he finishes in uh, the uh, in, in just uh, just after Christmas. Um, so he's on on his usual show uh, after this. Um, so uh, I'm just looking. Actually, is he, where is he? I've lost him. I've lost him. I've lost him. Uh, I need to look at Sunday the 18th, which is actually today's date, isn't it? Rather than uh, the date that I was looking at. Uh, yeah. So he's on uh, after us for his usual two hours. Um, plenty to uh, talk about on there. I know he's talking to the ACDC Theatre about uh, their uh, programme at the moment and uh, some other bits and pieces. So stay tuned for him. Then it's Pete Butchers with Jazz Today, Polish Waves, uh, the Cambridge Film Show, 6 till 7. Uh, we've got uh, the Big Band Show, 7 till 8. Uh, Jackie Bond with Let the Good Times Roll, 8 till 9. Queer Cambridge, 9 till 10. Stagger at 10 till 11 and then Robert Louis Abramson uh, 11 to midnight evening under lamplight Uh, so happy Christmas uh, to all of our listeners Uh, thanks for staying with us all season so far we shall see how things turn out after Christmas Uh, but for now thanks very much indeed and we'll talk to you later Cambridge 105 Radio